2 Timothy chapter 3, let's begin to read in verse 15. The Bible says, And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God, and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, Thoroughly furnished unto all good works. You can be seated tonight. Let's pray. Lord, help us now while we preach, and we'll give you the glory for it. Touch and anoint us afresh. Save somebody, help somebody. For all this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. I've been preaching. I started last Sunday. We didn't preach it this morning uh, on a thought of some, some important uh, 316s in the Bible. And we looked at... Uh, I believe it was uh, John 3.16 and 1 John 3.16 and then uh, also uh, 1 Timothy 3.16 and then last Sunday night we looked, I believe it was 1 Corinthians 3.16 and so tonight uh, we're looking at 2 Timothy 3.16 as a very familiar verse where it talks about all scripture is given by inspiration of God. And these three verses right here uh, has to deal with the Word of God uh, and the importance of the Word of God uh, in our life. Now, let, let me say tonight, uh, as we look at the Word of God, God promised uh, in the book of Psalms, I believe it was, Psalms chapter 12, uh, He promised to preserve His Word. Now, I mean, you, whether you want to believe that or not, I don't think we have a problem with that in here tonight. Uh, about whether God preserved His Word or not. I believe God preserved His Word. I believe He left us a book to live by. And I believe that He preserved for the English speaking people. Why do you think that English is such a predominant language uh, upon the face of the earth? God left it for the common man to be able to read uh, and get to know Him. You know how you get to know God? It's no magical thing or mystical thing to get to know God. You get to know God through the Word of God. And that's how you get to know Him. And so He promised uh, and that to preserve His Word uh, and His Word is very important to Him. And I think it ought to be important to us. Now the Bible said in Psalms 138 that I will worship toward His holy temple and praise Thy name for Thy loving kindness and for Thy truth for Thou hast magnified Thy Word uh, above all Thy name. God has magnified His Word. You remember what it says about His name tonight? Now I know I'm preaching to the choir. I understand that tonight. I understand that you uh, should have a grasp of God's Word. But you know what it said about His name? He said He would not hold a man guiltless that took His name in vain. That's how much God thinks about His name. That's how high His name is. Even in the model prayer, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed uh, uh, be Thy name. Listen, uh, uh, God's name is very important tonight. It is a high name. It's a holy name. uh, uh, But He said, I've esteemed uh, my word above my name. Listen, God thinks a lot about His Word. What do you think about it tonight? What do you think about God's Word? Do you hold it esteemed tonight? 
And 1 Peter chapter 2 tells us uh, that we are to desire the sincere milk of the Word, that we grow thereby. The Word of God uh, is to feed us. When Jesus faced Satan in Matthew chapter 4, and He said, Command that these stones be made, be made bread. Uh, uh, you know what He said? He went back and He quoted Deuteronomy uh, chapter 8 about how that man uh, is not to live by bread alone, but by every word uh, that proceedeth out of the mouth of God doth man live. Uh, listen, that's what He said said in Deuteronomy 8, and that's how we live tonight as a Christian. It lights our way and gives us direction. In the Psalms, he said, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. It's the weapon in which we fight with. He said, Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And that's how we fight tonight. Can I ask you one important question tonight that you really need to answer? Do you believe God's Word tonight? Do you believe the Bible? If you will believe the Bible and trust the Bible, it will help you tonight. But if you're unwilling to believe it and trust it and put it into action, I, see people say, well I believe it preacher, but they never put it into action. So I really wonder how much they believe it tonight. Uh, when I say that, if I say that I believe the Bible, then I don't put it into action. I look in the mirror and I, well, first of all, I say, dummy, dummy. And then I say, do you not believe? Do you ever, let me ask you this question. Do you ever talk to yourself in the mirror? You don't have, some of you are looking at me like I'm crazy. Maybe I am crazy tonight. Maybe I am crazy. But you know what? Sometimes I just talk to myself and say, you know what? You, you need to do better at some things. You ever tell yourself that? You need to do a little better. You need to trust God. You need to believe in God and, uh, and just look to Him. But listen, He said right here that, that what? That it is a lamp in our feet and we take it to fight with. And it is the book that teaches us how to do what? How to do anything, don't it? Teaches you how to be a good mom. Teaches you how to be a good dad. How to be a good husband or good wife. A good, a good child. It teaches me how to be a good pastor and a good preacher. It'll teach you how to be a good a Sunday school teacher, a good church member. It'll teach us how to be a good worker, a good citizen. It'll teach us how to handle money. I mean, it'll just teach us how to deal with our sin if we'll just believe it and do it tonight. I want to look at what he said right here in these three verses. I want to focus primarily on verse 16. But the Apostle Paul began to uh, tell Timothy here as, as he said, you've known the Holy Scriptures since you was a child that was able to make you wise unto salvation. How did he know that? Uh, one, he had, been around, he had been around Timothy's grandmother and his mother. Because if you go back to 2 Timothy chapter 1, he said, When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois, and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded in thee also. He said, From a child thou hast known the Holy Spirit. That's a good thing for you to teach your children. The Bible. It's a good thing to raise them in Sunday school. It's a, a good thing uh, uh, and that to have daily... I was listening to a preacher uh, just this week and he said, I know I'm fixing to make you mad, uh, but he said, if you're not having... He said, men, uh, if you're not having daily devotions at your house and leading it, uh, then you're disobeying God. And then he rattled out a uh, scripture to give with it. Go over and read Deuteronomy uh, chapter 6. And boy, he lays it out there uh, about how it ought to be done, how important uh, uh, that the Word of God is. 
But he said that from a child I asked known the Holy Scriptures. You want to get your children saved, make sure that they sit under the Bible. Whether it's at home, whether well, it needs to be at home, needs to be at church. It is uh, uh, the Word of God. What was it? And I'm getting ahead of myself. Uh, that Peter said, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the Word of God, which liveth uh, and abideth forever. You want to get your neighbors saved? Give them the Word of God. You want to get your children saved? Give them the Word of God. You want to get your family saved? Give them the Word of God. But I want to look at this right here. Notice it was salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. That's the only way you're going to get saved tonight is through faith in Christ Jesus. Well, look in verse 16, what he talks about. He said, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. That book that's sitting on the pew with you tonight or sitting in your lap or that's on my pulpit tonight, when he talks about that Scripture is given by inspiration of God, that means God breathed into it. When something is, is inspired, uh, uh, listen, uh, you look that definition up and it literally means uh, breathed into. So just as sure as God breathed into Adam uh, uh, the breath of life and Adam become a living soul, uh, uh, God breathed into this book uh, and it become a living book. How do you figure that? Hebrews 4 and 12. For the word of God is what? Quick. That means alive. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, pushing and dividing the sunder of the soul and, and the spirit and the joints and the marrow, dividing the sunder of the soul and the spirit and of the joints and the marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. The very first thing that the writer in Hebrews said is that the word of God is quick, it's alive. My wife said sometime here a while back, she said, you preachers talk about how that when you read it, that it just dances across the page at you. And she said it done it to me that way just yesterday. Don't you like it when the book becomes alive to you? When it does something in your life? When you read it, uh, you know, when you read it and it speaks back to you. I've never read another book that's ever done that. I've never, listen, I've never read the newspaper, a magazine, a secular book. I, be honest with you, I've, ne I've never read a commentary I, I, that spoke back to me like this book does. It's alive. And the thing about it being alive I, I, is it's perfect. I mean, it is the perfect Word of God. I, I, and this thing, He's breathed into it. Alive, He's breathed into it and inspired it. I, and this thing knows us. What did he say? As it's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing and dividing asunder of the soul and of the spirit and of the joints and the marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Man, when I read this thing, it reads me right back. It is like looking in a mirror. Was it James talks about looking into the perfect law of liberty? I mean, when we read this thing, it's like a mirror uh, uh, that reads back at us. Uh, I'm determined that's why some people don't like to read their Bible. I'm going to tell you one of my problems when I don't read my Bible like I should, it generally has to deal with laziness. Amen. You just could have said, well, you could have said, oh, me, that would have been okay. Uh, listen tonight, uh, I'm, I'm telling you, it seems like uh, uh, we know we need this book. We know this book will help us. We know it's a living book and that God has moved on it. Uh, uh, and I mean, He's the one that wrote it, but yet we seem to stay away from it too much. 
All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. Peter said in 2 Peter chapter 1, We have also a more sure word of prophecy whereunto we do well to take heed as unto a light that shineth in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star rising heart on this first uh, that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation. That means you can't get, that, that don't mean, uh, excuse me, that means uh, uh, that, that you don't get anything special out of this book that I can't get. It's of no private interpretation. When I preach, you refuse to read the Greek and Hebrew. I don't read the Greek and the Hebrew. God gave it to us in the English, and I could read English. Well, you could get a little deeper. No, I don't think so. I think you're making that up. <laughs> you think you can get deeper? I don't think you can. I think you can get as deep with God as you want to get in this right here. See, the problem is, is somebody's trying to look for something deeper in another direction if they just read the Bible. They're trying to figure out something that they don't understand. I understand. I understand there's things that we're not going to understand sometimes. But if we'll pray and read and seek God, I, I believe He can help us understand it. It was Mark Twain that said one time that it's not the things that I don't understand in the Bible that bothers me. It is the things that I do understand. There's plenty in this book that I don't understand. Those things don't bother me. It's the things that I do understand. That's what bothers me. But he said that knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is in any private interpretation. So we can get what we need from God. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. So God moved this thing into existence. I believe it was William Tyndale as he was translating out of the, uh, out of the Latin and also out of the Greek. I, I, I believe that he, he said I want to get it out of where the common man can have it. Wanted the common man to have it. Why? Because only the scholars, only the priests at that time had it. And then all you could do was take their word for what it said. Ain't you glad today that you don't have to take my word for what it says? We, you got it laying in your lap. We've got them all through the pews I, in this church house that you can crack it open. I believe everybody in here except maybe these little ones tonight knows how to read. We're living in one of the greatest generations that there ever was to know the Word of God, but yet folk are far from it. We carry it on our phones. We have, we have a multitude of Bibles that go with us and that we can have. And oh, I wonder how many do you have in your house? And we've got a multitude of them. He said, All scripture is given by inspiration of God. That's why the preaching of it makes a difference in sinners' lives. That's why you can take some liberal preacher that will still give the scripture and it'll make a difference in their life. It's the book. I understand we got to pay attention. I, I really do. I, I understand we got to obey God. I understand all that. But I'm telling you this morning, if you'll read, or tonight, if you'll read this book uh, uh, and present it, it'll make all the difference in people's lives. I think it was no accident that I preached what I preached here about a month ago and that young lady come and got saved. So you could have preached three little pigs and she might, no, no, I don't think so. 
You know what she told Miss Carrie? She said he just wouldn't shut up and go on. <laughs> I love that. Preaching on what's it mean to be saved. And she's sitting back there needing to get saved. Tell me God didn't have something to do with that. I mean, honestly, that helps me. may not help you, but it helps me to know that I was following God and doing what I was supposed to be doing. But this book is inspired. It's alive, so it, it's what made us alive when we got saved. Christ coming, you know, it is about Him and it is Him. I mean, it's a hymn book. I mean, it's just Jesus I, I, in written form, but it's alive tonight. And I love this book. It, it gives us a good life to live by if we'll just follow it tonight. It's how we got saved. Somebody, whether it was a preacher, whether it was a Sunday school teacher, a mom or daddy, a friend, whoever, whoever. Maybe you just read it in the Bible. I don't know. But I'll guarantee you it's by the Word of God that you got saved. So God breathed into it and it became alive. But then notice what it said in verse 16. It said, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. It's a God book. But then it's profitable. That, that means to advance or to gain or to advantage oneself. You want to have the advantage in, in this life, then it's in this book. It's profitable for your Christian life. I'm probably going to preach a message here in a few weeks if God will allow me on American Christianity. There's a lot wrong with American Christianity. Modern day Christianity. There's a lot wrong with it. And one of it is it don't want to really have anything to do with this book right here. I mean, they want to have parts of this book, but not take all this book. And he says that that all Scripture, A-L-L. As Brother Jeff said the other day, he said, well, we all know what Brother Mark says all means. All means all, don't it? And it does. When I read all, I just see it as all. He said all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. And it's profitable, but it's profitable for something. It is to advantage us in something in our Christian life. What is it? First of all, it's doctrine. Now, most of y'all have heard me make this statement before, but I'll make it again. You ever been in a meeting where somebody said, we're not going to preach doctrine? You might as well shut your Bible and go home. Because the Word of God is profitable for doctrine. The word doctrine simply means that which is taught. What you believe, you have to believe based on something. You have to believe that you got saved. How? How would you get saved? Well, the Bible says, there you go. Why do you live right? Well, the Bible says. Why do you do certain things and you don't do other things? Why do you live separated? Because the Bible says. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed in the union of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and perfect will of God. Why are we transformed out of this world? Because the Bible says to be. You go down and you look in the next few verses down in chapter 4. And you know what he said in verse 2 of chapter 4 in the book of 2 Timothy? Preach the Word. Very first thing he told him about preaching, he said, preach the Word. Not what you think, not good things or bad things or judgy things or non-judgy things. Just said, preach the Word. If it brings judgment, so let it. If it gives encouragement, so let it. 
You ever seen you ever seen folk get under conviction with the same message? These people over here is under conviction. These people over here shouting the glory down over here. Only the word of God can do that. He said, preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. So we see that preaching is probably going to be two-thirds negative. He said, he said to reprove and rebuke and then to exhort with all long suffering and what? Doctrine. But then he went on down here in verse 3, for the time will come when they will what? Will not endure sound doctrine. Can I say something tonight? Not all preaching makes good doctrine and not, and not all doctrine makes good preaching. What are you talking about? Some doctrine you've got to endure, man. I mean, there's just some things going to be tough and a little hard to understand sometimes. Now, in the grand scheme of things, it's going to be good preaching. Don't misunderstand me. But what, what a lot of us think is good preaching. You know, that kind of preaching that makes us want to shout. You know, you know, some of the best meetings we've ever had in here, it was just about as quiet as quiet could be. And not a hardly, and I love amens. Don't misunderstand me. I love it. I love it. I love it when you say, "Man, your hand goes up in the air and praise the Lord and help Him, Lord." As long as I ain't fumbling around, you're saying, "Help Him, Lord." Amen. Mercy. I love them, but there are times when we have sat in here, and boy, I know God was doing something, and I think you know God was doing something. It's not whether we're shouting it down all the time; it's what is God doing in our heart. With the word of God. Let me ask you, how much are you concerned about sound doctrine? You ought to be concerned about sound doctrine because that's what comes out of the Bible tonight. Second Timothy, he told him in, in chapter 2, he said, In the things which thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. What are you going to commit and what are they going to teach? It's going to have to be sound doctrine. I think we ought to try our best to preach it right and teach it right. That'll help somebody. He said, not only is it profitable for doctrine, you ought to be concerned, I mean, you ought to know what you believe tonight and why you believe it. But he said it's profitable for doctrine, but then it's profitable for reproof. That means to blame somebody. To censure somebody for what they've done wrong. The Word of God does the blaming, don't it? Right? I mean, I can blame you, but that don't hold a lot of water and carry a lot of weight. But if the Word of God says you've done wrong, then you've done wrong. He said it's profitable. He said, he said when, folk, when you preach on that, or you teach on that, or you read that and you see that in the Word of God, He said that's profitable for you to be blamed for what's going wrong in your life, you see. If there's wrong in there, then we ought to be blamed for it. Well, notice what he said next. He said, he said what? There's one thing to be blamed for something, but then it's part of her doctrine for reproof. So to be blamed for something, to be censured for it, but then he said for correction. That's how to fix it. This book will not only tell us that we're wrong, but then it will tell us how to fix what's wrong. Don't you love this book? 
Man, I love this book. I love this book. Just heeding and obeying the Word of God. Reading it and trying to get to know Him and letting Him get to know us. But listen, He said it's probable for reproof and for correction. You ever, you, you ever just had to fix something, correct something? A lot of times blame and correction goes together at the same time, don't it? You raising young ones know all about that. It's called the rod of correction for a reason. It's to straighten them up. It's to straighten us up. When God brings the rod of correction on us, you say, I don't think God will do that. Then you don't believe the Bible. Amen. Hebrews 12 is plain about that. It's very plain. All through the Bible we see that when folk get wrong and they stay wrong with God, He's going to tell them they're wrong. He'll blame them. And then he will try his best to correct them if they will heed to the correction. That word correct means to bring back from error or to make right. He said it's good for reproof and it's good for correction. There's one thing I like, and you can ask my wife, Miss Kelly, over here. I like being right. I do. I love to argue, and when I get done arguing, I like to know I was right. Amen. I like to know that. But better than that, I like to know that I'm right with the Lord. And it's this book that teaches us how to be right with the Lord. When we get wrong with Him, we can get right with Him. And that's the great thing about it. It's just, just, like, just like correcting children and all the... Listen, they can get wrong, but then they can get right. Amen. You get wrong with somebody, you can get right with somebody. Right? Correct? You can do that. Word of God, it teaches us how to do that. He said it's probable for doctrine, for what you're going to believe and for what you're going to teach. It's good for reproof. It's good for, listen, when I'm preaching it, it's good for reproof. When you're reading it, it's good for reproof, for it to just show us what's wrong in our life. And then it's good for correction. It teaches us how to fix it. it listen, as I looked over this, and I thought a lot of times we look at that, talk about reproof, that it's going to be some kind of gross sin in our life. A lot of times it's not. A lot of times there's just some things we need to fix. I was listening to a preacher this week. He was talking about having control of your spirit. He said a fellow come up to him and told him, he said, I'm doing good, preacher. He, he, said, he, said, I only get, he said, I only lose my temper about once a year. He said, I looked at him and said, how would you like to live next to a volcano that only erupts once a year? It's a good question, ain't it? You know, sometimes it shows us things such as we do need to keep control of our spirit. Sometimes we just need to work on some things. I, I've learned that keeping control of my spirit. I come home the other day and I was, I was aggravated at something. I was aggravated at a situation. And, and, and I, I told Kelly I'm aggravated at this, but I shouldn't be aggravated at this. And, and I was trying my best, I was trying my best to, to keep myself under control 
And not be aggravated. You ever done that? You didn't want to be aggravated, but it aggravated you. You didn't want to be. I finally said, Lord, I know I shouldn't be aggravated to this. You're going to have to help me with this. And he did. He did. And he's a great thing about the Lord. He will help us. It's good for correction. Instruction in righteousness. That instruction, it teaches us how to live right, don't it? You know, what was it? He said, said, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. It instructs us in how to just simply live right. I'm not sure how many people are, are concerned about living right. 1 Corinthians 15, he said, Awake to righteousness and sin not. If we're going to live righteously, then we've got to keep sin uh, out of our life. What was it? But seek you first the kingdom of God and what? His righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. He said if you want to know how to live right, if you want to have uh, instruction in righteousness and, uh, and how to please God and how to do it right, right here. This is it. Right there. First Timothy 6, he said, But thou, O man of God, flee these things and follow after righteousness. The very first thing he said was righteousness and then godliness, faith, love, patience, and meekness. Second Timothy 2, he said, Flee also youthful lust, but follow righteousness. The very first thing he said was righteousness. Faith, charity, peace with, all, with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Second Timothy 3.16, all scriptures given by inspiration of God, and it's proper for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Then he said, verse 17, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. So we see it's provision. It provides for the man. And here Timothy is pastoring and he says that the man of God, listen, it's not only for me, it's, it's not only uh, for you, it's for all of us. He said that the man of God may be perfect. He is writing it in, in the thought of pastoring. There's no doubt about that. Timothy uh, was pastoring. And he said if, if, if you want to be perfect, uh, uh, a perfect man of God, and, and I do believe uh, uh, that we need to be, stri- we're perfect in Christ Jesus, but then we need to be striving for perfection. We do. I think folk have given up on that. Striving to live right and striving for perfection. Preacher, you just, you, you, we're in the flesh. We, we, we can't live perfect. As one fellow I know says, that's an excuse. <laughs> Sounds like a pretty good excuse, but it's an excuse. We just quit trying sometimes. Tell you that the word perfect means complete. And by the way, with the word of God, we will be complete. But I think we, we truly do, do need to work toward perfection. He said that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. We're going to have what we need that teaches us how to serve Christ and to have our good works. Without this book, I don't think we can please Him. Without this book, I don't think we'll do right. I just don't think we will. I know we won't. 
Because he said that with it, all scripture, that, the, the scripture that, that is God-breathed, that is inspired, he said it will what? That it will make the man of God perfect and it will make him thoroughly furnished unto all good works. All scripture. I love the book tonight. How much do you love the book? I'm going to tell you something tonight. I probably don't love it like I should. Because I know I don't read it like I should. And I probably don't hate it like I should. But, but I'm going to tell you now, God has left me and you a book to read, to believe, and trust. And he'll help us through this book tonight. Let's bow our heads tonight.